How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. NFL insider for ESPN Field, Yates Field. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, guys. It's always great to catch up. Well, it's great to have you, man. Um, So we got the big news today that if Kansas City and Buffalo play in the AFC title game, that it would be played in Atlanta on a neutral site. So why was it important? I just, I'm just i more curious about the decision-making behind this. Why was it important for the NFL to have a neutral site conference title game in the event of Buffalo-KC in the AFC, AFC title game? Yeah, I guess we have to kind of rewind before we can spin things forward, and it's worth reminding people that this only takes place if it's the Bills and the Chiefs. If there is any other matchup in the AFC championship game, the game would be played at whoever has the higher seed. But because the Bills were unable to complete that Week 17 game against Cincinnati, uh, they obviously had one fewer game played. So while the Chiefs won 14 games and the Bills won just 13 games, they both had three losses, and the Bills had the head-to-head tiebreaker. So hypothetically, if that Bills game had been completed in Week 17 and they won that game, they would have owned the number one seed. The reason why the Bengals do not get the same such treatment is that even if Cincinnati had defeated the Bills, and it looked like based off the first half quarter, like that was a real possibility, their best-case scenario would have been 13-4, and four, still one game short of the Chiefs at 14-3. and three. The neutral site seemed, in the NFL's estimation, like the fairest way to uh, sort of account for the Bills unha- unable to uh, be unable to have that opportunity to get to 14-3. and three. Um, I think there are some questions about why Atlanta and some questions about whether uh, it would this idea made sense in the first place. But I would say, all things being considered, this is about as fair of a scenario as the NFL could conjure up. So with that field, could you see the conference title games all being played at neutral sites in the future? <laughs> this is where I think things get interesting, because on the probably the hand of you know fans, people that uh, love and support their team every single week, we get fired up for the possibility of hosting a conference championship game in a stadium, right? They want to have a Cleveland AFC championship game in future years, right? And while the NFL has made no comment suggesting that this is going to become something they would consider going forward, they could follow the college football model, right? I mean, the college football playoff semifinal play is played at a neutral site. And while it just so happens that some of the teams that tend to make the college football playoffs do play near big markets like Atlanta and Miami, uh, where there are often these big college football playoff games, still, it's a neutral site. And if you're the NFL, you could sell all kinds of retail and merchandise and advertisements for a neutral site game at the conference championship level, similar to how they do, but not at the same scale, 
on the Super Bowl level. So uh, I don't think we're quite there yet, but I do think that this will be an interesting case, uh, t- test case because if we get this far, not only would it be the Bills and the Chiefs, but we're talking about two of the most marketable players in the entire league in Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and two fan bases that they're going to play this game you know, halfway across the world and we'd probably see a sold-out stadium. I assume that Buffalo will advance over Miami this weekend, Skylar Thompson getting the start for the Dolphins. I'm curious your thoughts, Field, on the future of Tua. It's a really interesting one, and I think that's probably the reality that I've I've at least wrapped my own mind around, is that a lot of these first-round quarterbacks, um, and Lamar Jackson is the exception here, but a lot of these first-round quarterbacks, whether it's Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson and Kyler Murray, the year they become extension eligible are pursuing and receiving that extension. And it's often a franchise-altering commitment, for better or worse. I would argue that Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are already significant discounts in the quarterback landscape. The idea that Mahomes makes uh, $45 million per year and Josh Allen makes $43 million per year and someone like Kyler Murray makes $46 million per year is evidence enough of that opinion. Um, I think with Tua in Miami, you might see another year of patience. I could be way off here, but if I'm Miami, how do you commit to a player who has now his third concussion, or at least entered the concussion protocol for the third time this season, and if their season does end this upcoming Sunday when they play Buffalo, which I agree it will, you're talking about a player who was unable to be available for the last, two regular season games and actual playoff game as well. So there's some, there's some questions just about a player uh, in an area that's extremely sensitive with concussions. So I think Miami might be better served to try to string it along one more year, which, oh, by the way, buys you a bit more time to evaluate to him because while he was excellent for a good portion of this season, when the 49ers were no longer playing the cakewalk, excuse me, well, the, the Dolphins were no longer playing the cakewalk portion of their schedule and started to face teams like the 49ers, who was the first game that kind of really tested them. You know, the clock didn't necessarily strike midnight on Tua, but he certainly was a different player against tougher defenses than he was during the middle of the season. Field, while most of the NFL, and maybe not most of the NFL, a good select few in the NFL are in the playoffs, the Browns are a hunting for a defensive coordinator. And uh, the big name that is is going to be interviewing uh, this week is Brian Flores, former Steelers, uh, not former, but former Miami head coach and Steelers assistant linebacking coach. So I'll ask you, is it more likely Brian Flores lands a head coaching job or a defensive coordinator job this offseason? I would think defensive coordinator only because I think we would have heard about more head coaching interests by this time. And it might not be the worst path for Brian Flores, by the way, because while I don't have any doubt that Brian Flores is a really, really good football coach, it's hard for us, and this is just something that I think on the outside we have to maybe become a little bit more adept at, is that pretty much the only coaches that we think we can evaluate are head coaches and coordinators, right? Because when you're a head coach, it's win-loss record, and when you're a coordinator, it's points per game or points allowed per game or just overall efficiency of an offense or a defense. Who's to say that the Steelers' assistant linebacker, or assistant head coach and linebackers coach is great or bad at his job? I think reputation would tell me that certainly he is very good, but I think there are some who don't know just how capable he is based off of what you watch from the Steelers 
this season. This would help Brian Flores, I think, get back on that head coaching track. And I think that Brian Flores will eventually get another shot to become an NFL head coach. But if uh, a defensive coordinator gig is in between now and that head coaching job, I think it'd actually be a pretty beneficial step for him. Field, do you think that the lawsuit against the NFL for discrimination is in any way holding back Flores' head coaching hopes? It's a good question. I, I don't, you know, here's what I would say. I don't want to go out and assertively say that it does impact how teams are viewing him as a potential head coaching candidate. I also would say that it's pretty naive for me to think it has zero merit and zero tie to his current head coaching candidacy, right? It was one of the stories of the offseason last year, and it percolated throughout the offseason. So I think it is a part of the puzzle. I don't think it's the leading piece, though. I think ultimately when NFL teams are making these head coaching hires, the wise ones, and we can debate how many wise ones there are, are making that decision based off of the merits of a person that um, is not tied to something that took place uh, in the past that um, – I don't think it defines Brian Flores. Certainly he is known for it in some circles. Uh, people who don't know as much about the NFL know about some of the things that have taken place in the league. But I would say that Brian Flores' reputation is about being an accountable, tough, defensive-minded coach who uh, he's going to call it like he sees it. He's going to hold guys to a certain standard. But if you bring it day in and day out with Brian Flores, they're going to be in a spot to win. Derek Carr announced moves on social media today uh, that he's not going to be back in Vegas next season. Where do you think Carr ends up? Where, where makes the most sense for him? Yeah, it's a great question uh, because he is the first quarterback that's kind of been become like a central figure in the quarterback carousel of this offseason, but he's also the only one. And what I have found in previous years is that once we have a – general sense of the landscape of the quarterbacks, we then have a hierarchy. And typically the more talented and more well-known quarterbacks will be the guys that are the first dominoes to fall that will have an impact on who other teams target. So do I think Derek Carr could end up being the best veteran quarterback available this offseason? I think it's possible. I don't think it's a guarantee, though, because there are other guys names that we are going to keep an eye on, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo who's going to be a free agent, whether it's quarterbacks that could be available via a trade. And we have so much time to break down the possible Aaron Rodgers trade that I'm not going to overdo it other than saying, like, it seems at least possible that Aaron Rodgers could be a trade candidate this offseason. But if Rodgers does become available, well, then all of a sudden every other team is probably saying, wait, if I'm looking for a quarterback, and the options are Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers, not that Rodgers is cheap, but I think you're going to make your all-in move and try to acquire Rodgers first before you do so Derek Carr. So um, I do think Atlanta makes some sense for Derek Carr. The Jets have been floated. I don't know that I see that fit quite as much, but there will be a suitor for Derek Carr. I think the bigger question isn't whether there will be a suitor, but whether a team will be willing to trade for Derek Carr in his current contract or if they're going to want to basically play a game of chicken with the Raiders and wait for them to release Carr. Field, if you, if you don't want to overdo it on uh, quarterback rumors and quarterback trade rumors, you might be on the wrong Ooh. show. But I'll just – because it, yeah, it, it leads no, – I- 
We can have fun, man. I, I'm, I'm happy to oblige. Hit me with it. What do you got? Well, because I wanted to know, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, more likely to retire or being playing elsewhere in 2023? Oh. Yeah. Um, my guess is both places. My guess is both places. And I don't, I don't have a perfect guess. I don't have a crystal ball, whatever you want to say. Um, but with Rodgers, so much money on the table that he would be walking away from it. It's not like he doesn't have tons of money, but... You know, we spoke about the competitive fire after the game, and I got the sense that Rodgers is not going to want to go out on that note. For Brady, you know, the fact that he came back for 45 in year 23 makes me think that, like, at this point, I would rather just bank on Brady coming back every single year, which I know he's eventually going to not, than to expect him to not be coming back in a given year. It just sort of feels like, you know, Brady while he has literally nothing to prove, is wired in a way that is one of one, and that is why he becomes the best quarterback of all time. All right, final one. We'll end it on the Browns' their field. Should Browns fans be optimistic about 2023? We'll see. So I actually was talking about this with uh, one of my colleagues at ESPN recently and said that there uh, are a few quarterbacks that I have to go back and study much more than every other. And I, I mentioned that no one leads that list more than Deshaun Watson because um, I think there are a couple of things that are fair to say up at this point is that <clears throat> I don't want to hear that Deshaun Watson, it was all brand new and there was no time and live reps and all that when we also see someone like Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, playing extremely efficient football when he probably had, I don't know, one rep with the first team all season until he actually had to play in the game because of injuries to both Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. On the other hand, what I know about Deshaun Watson is that on the football field, his apex, his ceiling is one of the, I don't know, five or seven best quarterbacks in the NFL. And I don't think, especially at his age, that all of a sudden the physical decline happens in just one full season. I know obviously it had been 700 days between his two games, but I don't think Deshaun Watson just forgot how to play football. But um, if he gets things back to or closer to where he was, then the Browns fans should be optimistic. If not, then it's going to be a problem. And it's a not just a problem, but it's a catastrophic error potentially because $230 million fully guaranteed, there's no way for that to go away. So um, I, I tend to lean much more towards he'll be back on track and look more like Deshaun Watson. And if that's the case and they find the right defensive coordinator, he'll be in good shape. Field, excellent stuff, man. Really do appreciate your time. Uh, electric stuff as always, buddy. Thank you, guys. Talk to you soon. Field Yates, just moments ago on 92.3 The Fan, talking about uh, the idea that the NFL, which announced today that if the Chiefs and Bills play – in the AFC conference title game, yeah. it would be held in Atlanta at, at the stadium, so in a neutral site game. How do they come up with that as the neutral site? When you've got two outdoor teams, and I, I know Atlanta's easy to get to from both cities, but we couldn't find something somewhere in the middle, like Soldier Field. We couldn't just play it or Cleveland in the Chiefs stadium? Like... This bugs me. This bugs me a lot. Chiefs fans got screwed out of an AFC title game. And now, a fair amount of the, the, the fans that can afford to go to the game at Arrowhead are probably going to be able to afford to go to Atlanta. 
But there's a fair amount of people who might only be able to afford that game and to to truly experience that game at home. And so the it just really bugs me that they took this game there out. It was a no-win situation. Well, no, I guys, I think I or I don't know why I said guys. It's just you and me. But I think it was pretty easy. Well, okay, so Buffalo only played 16 games. The the Chiefs played 17 games. It'll be played in Arrowhead. Like, why did it need to move? Because the idea that it's unfair to to Buffalo, then if Buffalo cared that much, they could have insisted on the game being played. Like, it just feels like, with respect, it feels like the Buffalo Bills used this to their credit or used this as leverage. All in this BS interest of fairness, we're talking about 16 games versus 17 games. We're not talking 12 games versus 17 games to determine the number one seed in the AFC. Listen, if... The Bills could have played that game again, you know, had they been able to move back week 18, I think they probably would have done that. Well, but, but I, there, it was an impossible situation. Like they couldn't play that game after the, after DeMar went down. Well, okay, which is fair. Well, I totally understand that. But then the consequence of that and fair run. And, and listen, I think the Chiefs are certainly probably had some say in this, don't you think? They're trying to be respectful of, of Buffalo in this whole situation. I mean, it was 32 teams. And if it, and listen, you've also got to think about the PR side of things. If this came out and said the, the Chiefs were the team that voted against this, and by the way, it was the Bengals who voted against it because of the coin flip aspect for this week, yeah. which ended up not coming to fruition. But can you imagine the optics of this if the Chiefs voted against this? Like, there is a part. This was so publicized because it was related to the Demar Hamlin story. There's no way that the Chiefs could have made a huge stink about this. Yeah, I. They, no, you're right. They couldn't. But I, I just think that this was in the best interest of all parties involved. I mean, you're trying to be as fair as you possibly can in an, an un or an impossible situation. If if this was the Browns. All right, and the Browns were hosting the AFC title game. And again, it's for this hypothetical. If it's the the Chiefs and uh, Jaguars, it no, doesn't matter. This is only if it's the Bills and Chiefs since they were the one and two seeds this year. If it was the Browns and it cost the Browns home field advantage, wouldn't it kind of piss us off? Um, I'm sure it would some fans. I wouldn't be upset about the situation because of the circumstances. I th- I think this is taking a really unfortunate situation, and I think it's I think it's playing, I think it's playing on the sympathy to get what is best for the Buffalo Bills, and I think and again uh, the NFL allowed it to happen, uh, thirty one out of thirty two teams voted for this or voted for the rule the the what is it momentary rule changes that only apply to these playoffs yeah but. I think because because my great fear is I, I'll be honest uh, this is a little bit of fear based response for me I think this absolutely is a test case if this one comes to fruition that the NFL could could kind of test the waters on here and they could try and make both conference title games um, corporate events like the Super Bowl are yeah I I, re- I sure hope not because those you know championship games uh, NFC AFC championship games championship weekend Sunday I should say is one of the best weekends of the year. And part of the reason it makes it so great is having those venues, you know, seeing the frozen tundra at Lambeau Field, right? Mm -hmm. Seeing a a game being played at Arrowhead in a cold environment or in Cincinnati or in Cleveland or Pittsburgh, you know, like those environments, you you can't replicate that in a dome that your team doesn't even play in. I also think it completely negates the importance of having home field advantage. 
specifically having the number one seed. I don't. And I shouldn't say completely negates because you still get the buy. But look, like, look in this situation, I, I think it's it is um, about as fair as you can get. It's a pretty level playing field. Both offenses on that turf in a dome. Oh no! I, I mean, meant, from from. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant more on the con- if they were to move. Oh, the conference. The conference. Okay, games. yeah, yeah. Like I, I can't see that happening, Nick. I just I I, I can though. That's a problem because I was because I somebody on Twitter in Twitter reactions brought to you by Shabin Jewelers, Cleveland Premier Jewelry Store. Um, somebody on Twitter was like, "Oh, they'll never do this," and I'm like, "You got to think about. You got to think like the NFL." The NFL has done so many things that we thought they weren't possible to do that would never happen all in the name of we've got to extract as much money out of this thing as we possibly can. And that does scare me because here's the thing. Uh, Field yeah. just said it okay, there. Okay, so how, how would they make more money by having it at a neutral site? Because of all the ability to to get corporate sponsored dollars into those events when it's away from those home So terms. so what we're talking about taking just because we're going to sell a lot more suites like Oh, it's not just that cuz then you control the pricing model versus the teams controlling the pricing models. Yeah, I I I don't know. I mean, I I guess it's not a crazy theory, but it's one of the coolest things about Championship Sunday is is having those home venues. Do you think the NFL cares about the cool parts of the game cuz I, I I hope so. Cuz I cuz might put it this way. I think they care to an extent. But I think the number one thing is in the NFL, and they've showed this consistently, the the dollar rules. And I just I, my thing is, it already sucks to be a cold weather fan without a dome. And I mean, even if the Browns had a dome, would they ever give us a Super Bowl? Probably not. So it already sucks to know you're never going to see a Super Bowl in your town. Which, by the way, they've completely torn away. If you've ever actually been to the Super Bowl, oh, it sucks. Everything is so egregiously priced. It is just a bunch of rich a-holes, and there's no soul to the game. Everything is this packaged corporate piece of crap. And so that's the other part of this, is I already know, even when we see a Super Bowl, like the Guardians. The Guardians go to the World Series. I'm going to be able to go down the street here. I'm going to have to pay out my ass to do it, but I'm going to be able to go to a, a World Series game. And if the Cavs, or when the Cavs were in the NBA oh, championship. They weren't cheap. Oh, no, they weren't. No. I went to no, a couple. We've mortgaged houses for these things. But at least you can go when it's right down the street instead of now I've got to pay another ten grand to be able to go there. And, oh, by the way, you're taking off work. All of these other things yeah. that happen to it. And so it already sucks that the Super Bowl is only in warm weather event places. that. By the way, not only do I not want to go, because of where they're set. Like, I don't want to go to Los Angeles. Los Angeles is a suck hole. Yeah. Also don't like five and a half hour flights. Yeah. Oh, and across the uh, mountains either. No, thanks to you. No, no, sir. But on top I've of it. I've met my quota of, of California <laughs> of trips flights. this year. But like, not not even a, just that, though. It's also the extra money you got to spend. It's also, you go to the game, it sucks. And so I don't want that to happen to conference title games. And, you know, we had somebody on, on Twitter, ah, Roger Goodell is a worthless so-and-so. But no, Roger Goodell would be absolutely within his right to go ahead and say, I bet you we can squeeze out another billion dollars between those two games or an extra $600 million, whatever it is. Throw out whatever number. I don't know the economic impact of the Super Bowl for the NFL. It, it's absolutely what he should try to do. 
But for somebody who just loves the NFL, and I just can't wait. There's at some point before I die, I'll get to see an AFC title game in Cleveland or the Browns maybe play in one. And I just feel like it should be in the atmosphere of Cleveland, Buffalo, um, Pittsburgh, Green Bay. I think I think the NFL has to honor that because at some point you're just catering to big markets. You're just catering to the corporate interest, and it's going to suck. Felt good to get off. Thank you for letting me get that off, Dusty. Sorry about that. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.